Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Are you ready for some Word today? Praise God. Is there, uh, is there anybody that is offended because we're talking about giving? Okay. I actually didn't expect anyone to raise their hand, you know, but... Uh, uh, you know, the Bible talks about giving a lot, a lot. You know, money is one of the most talked about subjects in all of God's Word. Um, I do believe this, that, um, you know, one of the reasons that we are reintroducing things uh, this year is because there are a lot of subjects and topics in the Word of God that that have been misrepresented. And uh, the, the character and nature of our Father God has been misrepresented. And uh, so giving is one subject that has been very misrepresented. And... Uh, now, how many of you have ever watched a, a TV show called How It's Made? Yeah. I, I love How It's Made because, you know, that's, that's just the way I like to know how things work. And uh, so this morning, we're not going to do How It's Made, but we're going to have to, we're going to talk about how stuff works. Okay? So if you're interested in how stuff works then when it comes to giving and receiving and finances and stuff like that, we're going to talk about how it works, how stuff works. And, uh, uh, you know, if you, if you don't know how it works, you really can't properly represent how it works. And so w we want to give, uh, give you some understanding in that and in, in how this giving thing works works for you, and, uh, you know, first of all, I want to, to begin to look at this. Let's, let's just, let's make a confession before we, before we get into this this morning. Just lift one hand with me and say, Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is spirit and life to me. I am good ground for the word. I'm not just a hearer, but I do what the word teaches me. And I thank you that your word makes it very clear that giving is worship unto you, that it honors you, and I want to honor you today. And so, Father, I thank you. 
I refuse to be offended. It's a choice I made that I won't be offended, but I'll receive truth. I'll act upon it. I'll be changed by it, and I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Now, if we're going to understand this subject of giving, we have to let, let's begin with one thing. I, I, I taught about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I talked about the fact that, that uh, Scripture tells us that God loves a cheerful giver, and that when you are a cheerful giver, uh, you give because you want to. You don't give because somebody's twisting your arm. You don't give because uh, they make you feel bad if you don't. You, you know, if any of that ever happens here, don't give, please. Because, uh, you know, that's never our intention. We never want to uh, try to apply pressure to manipulate you into doing something. Uh, and whether it's giving or whether it's serving or whether, you know, we, we don't want to apply pressure to manipulate you. You know, I... I I've known some manipulators in my life, and I, I tell you what, I'm not very fond of manipulators, and so I certainly don't want to be one, praise God. And so, here we have to understand that our Father is a giver, and you are partakers of His divine nature. It's His nature to give, praise God. God so loved that He gave. Praise God. And so uh, giving and loving is all uh, connected together. You know, it's, it's, they, they work hand in hand. When you love, giving is an, uh, an outflow of love. Uh, and so uh, God wanted something. From the very beginning, you know, I have people... Uh, that ask me from time to time, they say, well, you know, God planted this tree and put it in the middle of the Garden of Eden, and he told Adam and Eve, don't eat of it. You know, and, and when they ate of it, sin entered into the world, and we are all suffering the consequences of that today. And, you know, so uh, you say that God is all-knowing, so therefore he must have known what Adam and Eve would do and uh, so if he knew that, why did he do that? Why did he put that tree there? Um, you know, and, and, and uh, it, it's, it can be a very confusing thing unless we know how stuff works. Praise God. There was something that God wanted from before the foundation of the world. Now, the Bible calls Jesus the lamb which was slain from the foundation of the world. So in other words, before Adam and Eve were ever created, God had already, he was aware of what they would do. Uh, he was aware that they would eat of the fruit that he had told them not to eat of. And, and he knew all that from before they were even created. And, uh, you know, and, and knowing that, the scripture calls Jesus the lamb which was slain from the foundation of the world. So in the mind of God, Jesus who is referred to as the lamb of God, 
to, to take away the sin of the world. That's what John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus coming to the place where he was, was baptizing. He saw him come and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so God knowing that and knowing that Adam and Eve would eat of that fruit, he already determined before it ever happened what he was going to do about it. Praise God. And so in the mind of God, Jesus was already crucified before there was even a sin to be crucified for. Praise God. So why did he put this tree in the middle of the garden? There is a master plan. And if we understand the master plan, then it all makes sense. What was it God wanted? Did God want did, did he just want someone to worship him? You know, I have people say, well, that's why you were created, was to worship God. Well, if that were true, were the angels not enough? Angels worship God. Were, were angels not enough? Well, sure, you know, I mean, he was getting worship, continuous worship from the angels. Um and so, what was it that God wanted that prompted him to make this tree and put it in the middle of the garden and put it right there where it was in a very prominent position and say to Adam and Eve, see that tree? Don't eat of it. You can eat of everything else, but don't eat from that tree. And he did it knowing that they would eat from it. But there was something that God wanted, and he wanted a family. How many know that family is different than friends? How many know that family is different than your co-workers? See, a lot of people think that, we're, well, we're laborers together with God. That's true. Scripture tells us that. That's, that's a tr very true statement. But co-workers was not what God was wanting. He didn't want somebody to come and labor alongside him. You know, some say, well, you know, he wants servants. No, the angels served God. He had servants. It wasn't servants he was wanting. And so he wanted a family. Family is different from anything else that exists. There is no entity, no, no unit that, that is the same as family. Praise God. And so God wanted a family. So his plan to get a family was to reproduce of himself. Now, you got to stay with me because I don't want anybody going out of here confused about what I'm talking about today. All right, so we're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my time through this and try to present this as clearly as possible, you know, as clearly as I know how and, and with the help of the Holy Spirit where I don't know how. Praise God, we're going to communicate this so you get it. God wanted a family. He wanted sons and daughters. Praise God. 
But Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. Anybody know that? Well, that's not exactly true. The Bible does say that. But it says he was the only begotten Son of God. But now he is called the first begotten or the firstborn among many brethren. He's no longer the only Son of God. You know, that sounds real good in the song. You know, we believe you are the only Son of God. You know, or, 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 or in a sermon, well, God is God's only Son. God gave His only Son. Well, He gave His first Son to get more sons. Praise God. we got to know how stuff works. God wanted a family and sons and daughters. I'm just going to say sons, and you understand that when I say that, I mean sons and daughters. This is not, a, uh, th this is not about gender. This is about offspring, okay? So we're just going to say sons, and I don't have to go through that every time I say it, okay? So from now on, you understand, you know, from hitherto, sons shall refer to, you know, anybody ever read uh, a contract? Hitherto, the seller shall be referred to, or so-and-so shall be referred to as the seller. So every time you see seller, you know that it's talking about this particular person that's selling this property. All right, so sons refers to sons and daughters, hitherto, from this point on. Praise God. And so God wanted sons, but how many know that sons are not a different species than the father? Every son is of the same species as the father. You know, I'll even say it this way. Every son is of the same race as mother and father of the offspring. You know, if you are uh, whatever race you might be, your children are a combination of, of you and, and your spouse, whatever races you are. And, uh, you know, I've got a sister that has been really uh, researching some of this stuff uh, in, in our family here in the last few weeks and it asked me a whole lot of questions. But, uh, you know, I found out that there's things in me I didn't know was in me. And, uh, you, you know, because I am the offspring of my parents. I am a combination of the two of them. And if we take it on back, in fact, here's the deal. I don't care what race you are. If you, trace, if you could trace your DNA far enough back, you would find Adam. Praise God. That makes us all family, right? But see, God wanted a family. He didn't want some other kind of being. He didn't want more angels. He could have just made more angels, but that wasn't what he wanted. You know, he didn't want robots. He didn't want just some machine that just does what he... He, he wanted something that was of the very same species that he is. God, according to John 4, is a spirit, 
and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, did you know that you are a spirit? Praise God. You are a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a body. Praise God. Now, the reason this is important that God wanted a family, that he wanted something of the same species as himself, is because, let's go back to that tree. Why did he put that tree there? Because if he created a being that had no choice but to worship him, that just was like a machine, like a worship machine, You know, I mean, you may be standing there doing praise and worship and lifting your hands and dancing before the Lord and saying, you know, I'm a worshiping machine. That's not what we're talking about, you know. Uh, but he didn't want just machines to, or, or robots that would just worship him. You know, I can record a message that tells how wonderful I am and I could play that over and over and over and over and over again as long as I want to play it. Telling about how wonderful I am. God didn't want some kind of machine that would just talk about how wonderful he was. In order for you to be like God, the Bible tells us this. It says in the beginning that God created the heavens and the earth. And then we read all the story of creation. And he said then... The, on the at at the very end of creation, he said, "Let us make man in our image and in our likeness, and let them have dominion." Praise God! He wanted someone that was just like himself. Now, let let's be very clear about this: God will always be God. He will always be the most high. You will never be as high as Father God. Just like in, the, in, in your natural life, you can't ever become your father. You, you can be just like your father. You can emulate every one of his traits. You can talk like him. You can look like him. You can act like him. You can be like him. But you can never be your father because he's your father. You are his child. God is father. You can never be God. You can never be father. He will always be the most high. You came from him. He did not come from you. A lot of people invent their own God the way they want him to be. But he is the Father. You did not create Him. He created you. Praise God. And so He will always hold that place, and we should always recognize that. Jesus, the first begotten from the dead, He will always be the first. He will always be the oldest child. Praise God. He will be... Uh, the scripture says that he might in all things have preeminence. 
Praise God. That means that he was the first. You can never be the first. All right? Let's, let's get that clear. I'm not saying that you are the same as Jesus. You are the same in the sense that, that you were created just like him, but he will always be the first. He will always be the one who gave his life so you could be a son of God. So let, let's never be confused about that. And, and, and when we talk like this, we're not blaspheming. Praise God. Perfectly acceptable. Now, God wanted a family, so how is he going to get a family? How's he going to get a family? Did he just create this being and say, you know, you're my son, you're my child? You know, well, he created him, but he put this tree in the middle of the garden, which kind of messed stuff up. We think. But here's the deal. No tree means no choice. You get that? Created all these other trees, but he had to give Adam a choice. If he did not give him a choice, Adam would not have truly been like God. And... The Trinity had met together on this, and they had a staff meeting, and they said, let us create man in our image and in our likeness. And had he not given them choice, they would not have been in his image and likeness. They would have been a similar kind of being, but they wouldn't really be like him. And so he had to give them a tree. Now notice, he only put one tree that he said, don't eat of this one. He put all of the other trees, and he said, you can eat of any one of them. Just don't eat of this one. Because there had to be a choice, and he did not force his decision. He did not force the right choice on them. He gave them the free will, the free ability to make the choice. Even though he knew they would make the wrong choice. And so in this staff meeting, they are, you know, God the Father, God the Word, God the Holy Spirit. They're sitting there in this staff meeting. Now, I'm, I'm imagining a little bit, okay? All right, can you allow me a little bit of, uh, of liberty here? Praise God. So they're sitting here in this staff meeting, and they're talking about this, and they said, we've got to create a choice, and we've got to let them make the choice. Because in order for them to be like us, they have to have choice. So they said, I got it. Let's create a tree, and let's put it in the middle of the garden, and let's say, don't eat of that tree. That's enough. That's all the choice they need, a choice to to eat of that tree or not to eat of that tree. Holy Spirit pipes up and says, but you know they're going to eat of it. Father says, yes, I know that. He says, so if they eat of that tree, then they're going to become separated from us. So what are we going to do about that? God, the Word raises His hand. 
And he says, I'll go down there and become one of them, and I'll pay the penalty of death so that they can come back to us. Praise God. So when we understand how stuff works, so what did God do? Because he wanted a family, what did he do about the situation that existed? You know, from the time that he knew what was going to happen, he had already made up his mind what he was going to do. So he sent God the Word, who became God the Son. He he, he sent God the Word into the earth, and he became a man and dwelt among us, but he did all that to bring us back into a father-son relationship with God. Praise God. Because what God wanted was sons. He didn't want a pet. He didn't want a robot. He didn't want another angel. He didn't want a servant. He wanted a son. And so, and not just one son. He wanted many sons. Praise God. He wanted to have sons that would choose their relationship with him. Praise God. Not sons that didn't have any choice. Praise God. Now, get this. Romans chapter 8, verse number 29. It says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. It's right there in the Bible. Now, if the firstborn is like God, you know, Maybe you've got a maybe you've got a dog or have had a dog at some time that was going to have puppies, and uh, maybe this this dog has had puppies before. He said, "Well, last time, last time she had puppies. This time we're we're thinking maybe kittens." No, if if the dog had puppies before. And the dog is dog. You know that this time there's going to be more puppies, not kittens. And so God had one son, and he gave that one son so that he could get many more sons. Praise God. Now, one of the things that, that uh, one of the attributes of Jesus, remember this, uh, Peter was preaching at Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10, verse number 38, and he says, How that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So there's a characteristic of the Son. He was anointed of God with the Holy Spirit, and he went about doing good and healing. Now, here's the thing. 
if he anointed that son, he's anointed you. Praise God. With the same Holy Spirit. Praise God. In every way, this is why the Bible tells us the, the Apostle John wrote in his first epistle to uh, uh, his first epistle, he, he wrote this. He said that when we see him as he is, we know that we will be like him. Praise God. Now, God wanted a family. He wanted many sons. He wanted many sons that were just like his first son. Praise God. Colossians chapter 1, um, verse 18, it says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7. says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever, whatever. Now that, that's real important, that word whatever. A man sows that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary in, uh, in, while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Now notice here, notice here, he says, whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Now, just like we said that you don't expect your dog to have kittens, God didn't expect some other kind of being to come as a result. Expected the same kind of being to, to, to come as a result of the seed he sowed. Where... God wanted a family, so what did he do? He had one son. He took the one son and planted him in the earth. And as a result of planting him in the earth, he got back more sons that were just like the first one. Praise God. Now, it's so important because, you know, you can turn on TV on Christian TV, and I'm not being critical of Christian TV because I thank God for Christian TV, but there are also things on Christian TV that don't agree with the Bible. So we got to go to the Bible and don't ever believe something just because Reverend so-and-so said it on Christian TV. All right? Because Reverend so-and-so is sometimes confused. And sometimes needs some help. But you will find Reverend so-and-so on Christian TV saying, if you need healing in your body, you need to send a financial seed. What did this scripture just say? Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. 
Every seed produces after its kind. So financial seeds do not produce healing. Financial seeds do not produce your loved ones coming to the Lord. Now, if we want to be honest about it, financial seeds produce a financial harvest. Now, I believe in healing. I believe God wants you healed. But He doesn't want you to plant a financial seed to get it. Praise God. God wants your loved ones saved, but He doesn't want you to plant a financial seed to get it. You can't just plant any old kind of seed. You've got to plant the kind of seed of what you want to receive as a harvest. Praise God. And we do need to plant financial seeds. But you'll never hear from this platform that if you plant a financial seed into the house, the vision offering, the vision giving, if you plant a financial seed into the house, that you're going to get healed. Or if you plant a financial seed into the house, then, you know, and, and, and we've been talking about setting goals for what you want to receive. And make sure the goals are the kind of seed you're sowing. All right? So if you need things in a financial way, then yes, you plant a financial seed to get a financial harvest. Praise God. You say, well, what if I need healing? Well, you know, maybe, now, let, me, let me clarify this here. Maybe you need to sow into a healing ministry. Maybe you need to go minister to the sick. Maybe you need to sow the Word of God on the subject of healing into your life so you need to sow the kind of seed that you need a harvest of don't plant corn if you're expecting squash Sow the kind of seed that you need a harvest of praise God praise God now I'm you know I, I hope this is is is, is being clarified you know. Now, God wanted a family. He wanted sons, so he planted a son. If he could have planted a different kind of seed, do you think he would have actually sent Jesus to the cross? If he could have planted a different kind of seed, you know? If he could have planted a different kind of seed, don't you think that maybe a bull or a goat, like they did in the Old Testament, that maybe that would have been good? Plant, a, plant another sheep, plant another goat, plant another bull, into the, you know? Don't you think that he would have done that instead of his son? If he could have planted another kind of seed and gotten the harvest he wanted... Why wouldn't he just plant a prophet? 
God so loved the world that he gave a prophet that whoever believes upon him. No, he didn't plant a prophet because a prophet was not sufficient, was not adequate to get a son. A bull was not adequate to get a son. So if he wanted a son, he planted a son to get a son. Praise God. First Corinthians says this. But some will, someone will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. Now, die in the Bible means to be separated. It doesn't mean you cease to exist. It means that you become separated. When a person dies physically, they become separated from life on this planet as, as we know it. And, and they, when, when a person dies, they lose their ability to, to impact their environment in any way. You know, when you're alive and you walk into the room, your body is 98.6 degrees, approximately. And if we put enough 98.6 degree bodies in a room, the temperature of the room begins to rise. All right? So you have the ability just by your presence of because you are alive, you have the ability to affect the temperature of the room. Now, if we're going to have a funeral in, and we bring a body in of a person that has died, their body is there, but they don't have the ability to impact the environment around them. So actually the room begins to have an effect on them. on the body. The body will adapt if it's a dead body, it will begin to adapt to the temperature of the room. But a live body will affect the temperature of the room rather than the other way. Praise God. So one is not made alive unless uh, you know a seed, can't produce a harvest unless it dies until it becomes separated from you. There has to be a separation take place. So if you're planting a garden, you make a hole in the ground and you separate the seed from you and put it in the hole in the ground. And it begins to germinate and begins to produce. Praise God. God sent his son. He had to put him in the earth. 
He had to separate his son from him in order for his son then to produce more sons. One is not made alive unless it dies first. Praise God. Now, he says, how are the dead raised up? With what body do they come? Um, you know, he says, foolish Galatians, or foolish one, he's not talking to Galatians here, so he didn't say that. He said, you know, foolish one, foolish Corinthians. Um, he says, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. Then he continues on. And he says, what you sow, verse, this is verse 37, what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. So if you sow wheat, you get wheat back. If you sow some other grain, you get some other grain back. But you don't get the one you sowed back just like it was. Praise God. He goes, um, and then he goes on and he says this, perhaps wheat or some other grain, but God gives it a body as he pleases, and to each seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh, the flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another flesh, uh, another of fish, and another of birds, and there are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another, and there is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for one differs from another star in glory. Okay? So he's saying that that not all seed produces the same kind of harvest. The glory is the harvest, right? He's talking about the, the glory of the seed. The glory is, is when you get the harvest. So he's saying that not they all have their own glory. So if you want a particular kind, you don't just plant a random seed. Now, in verse number 42 of 1 Corinthians 15, he goes on and he says, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised to glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became the life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not, uh, is not first, but the natural, and afterward, the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also the, those who are made alive of dust 
And as the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Praise God. Now, if you read that slowly and just begin to break that down and begin to understand, you sow that type of harvest that you want to receive. Praise God. Now, here's something. The harvest will reveal the seed. The harvest will reveal the kind of seed that it was. 1 John chapter 3, verse number 2, Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So the harvest will reveal what kind of seed you sowed. Now, let me just give you a really, a really straightforward and to-the-point example here. The harvest will reveal what kind of seed that you sowed. Now, James uses this, this term, James 1, verse 14. He says, but each one is tempted when he's drawn away of his own desires and enticed. And when the desire has conceived... It gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Now, notice he said, uh, he said that, that when you begin to receive, let's look at it again, how I said it here, that when you are drawn away of your own desires and enticed, then when desire has conceived, desire conceives what it was drawn away by. So in other words, we could say whatever you've been intimate with. So now let me, let me say something here uh, and, and listen to this carefully. You know, if a, if a, if a woman is having a baby, and let's say that, that she's a married woman and she is having a baby and her husband believes this baby is his. But the day comes, she gives birth to this baby and the baby is a different race. We know what happened. The harvest revealed the seed that was sown. All right? The harvest tells the tale, and it does not lie. All right? So here, here's what we got to see. If you've been messing around with sin, you conceive sin and give birth to sin. But notice what James went on to say. Here's, here's the great part. I mean, that other is a fact, but it's, it's not a very pleasant fact. But here's, here's the great part. Therefore, James 1.21, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness 
and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So if you've been receiving with meekness the implanted word, then the harvest you receive is going to be a life-giving harvest. Praise God. This is just, this, it's how stuff works. All right? In Acts chapter 17, the apostle Paul said, for as I was, uh, verse 23, for I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship and I found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything. Since he gives life to all, breath and all things, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might, uh, that they might grope for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us. For Notice this. For in him we live and move and have our being. As also some of your own poets have said, for we are his offspring. Praise God. We are his offspring. Praise God. This is how stuff works. Since we are his offspring, in verse number 29, he says, therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art of men's devising. So he says, we are his offspring, so we shouldn't think of ourselves as anything less than the offspring of God as being the very same type of being that he is. See, you are the glory. We talked about that the harvest is the glory of the seed that was planted. So you are the offspring of him. His son was planted in the earth and you are his offspring. Therefore, you are the glory of him. Praise God. Now, this is why John said in 1 John chapter 3, whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Now, I'm not talking about, I'm not saying that in your flesh that you have become incapable of sinning. You know, some of you proved that right before church today. You know, you are capable 
of sinning, your flesh, but your spirit being was created in his image and likeness. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be. When the seed's in the ground, it has not yet been revealed what shall be. Now, I can tell you I planted corn, but when cucumbers come up, it shall be revealed what was actually planted. Now, here's the thing. We are his offspring. We are the glory of the seed that was planted. This is why when it is revealed, it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but when he is revealed, we shall be like him. The fruit is exactly what the fruit was that was planted, what the seed was that was planted. Praise God. Praise God. This is how stuff works. And when we understand how stuff works, it all makes sense. Praise God. Why do we need to plant a financial seed? Why do we need to plant any kind of seed? Because that's how stuff works. That's how you get more. That's how you get a harvest. That's how you get what you have need of. Praise God. This is why Pastor David said, if you have a great need, plant a great seed. Praise God. So, this is why we have goals, because when we have goals, then it tells us what kind of seed we need to plant. Praise God. He who sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. Praise God. So I want to encourage you with that today. And as we go into this, we've been introducing our vision give, our vision offering. So set some goals. So this is what I want to do. So therefore, I know what kind of seed to sow. Praise God. Praise God. Now, if you're here today or you're watching me online, but you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, God planted his seed of his son in the earth to get more sons. Now, you... God wants you, that's why he planted Jesus. He wanted another son, so he planted his, his only son. Praise God. And what did he do? Jesus came to this earth. He became one of us, predetermined in the mind of God. And he went to the cross and laid down his life, was buried in the earth, so that a harvest of sons could come back. And I believe that if you're under the sound of my voice today, the Bible says the sower sows the word. Well, I've sown the word today. God sowed God the word in the earth today, and he expects to get a harvest of sons back, and I believe you are one of those sons. Praise God.
How do you do that? How do you make that a reality? Praise God. You can accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior right now. Just say this after me. If you mean what you say, then when we say amen at the end of this, you will be born again. You will become a son of God. Hallelujah. I want everybody to say this together. Say, God in heaven, I believe that you sent your son Jesus, that he was buried in the earth, and he rose again from the dead so I could have new life. That he paid the penalty for all of my sins so that I won't have to pay that penalty. And today I choose Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Jesus, I put my trust in you for my salvation. I call you my Lord. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us. And remember that God is madly in love.